0: Hello there, I'm coach Will Love, and you're listening to the Idaho Basketball Coaching Podcast. We're fortunate to have Trent Harrison on the podcast today. Harrison is the head girls basketball coach at Middleton High School. He helped guide the Vikings to the 4A State Tournament in his first season as head coach, Harrison also has plenty of experience coaching boys basketball. Coach Harrison, thanks for talking basketball with us today. How's everything in Middleton?
1: Uh, things are great, Will. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no, I'm excited to have uh, have you on. I've been aware of the Middleton uh, girls program, obviously, as a, a foray. Uh, girls coach, uh, we yep. know the history there and, uh, you've done a great job in your first year. So just kind of wanted to, uh, start off with, uh, what are some areas of coaching you learned about, learn more about in your first season as the Milton girls bas- basketball coach?
1: Well, one of the first things I realized, uh, when I first started coaching girls, and this is my second year ever coaching girls. I was the, um, assistant coach the year before, uh, is just refer that i like to refer to them as as players not my girl players not my boy players they're my girl players um and when i first started i was like i'm going to coach them just like i do the boys i'm going to be uh the same person i'm going to be the same coach and that's how i am and that's who i'm going to be uh and then i quickly realized that i don't know if that was necessarily my style um and i i realized that with the girls if you are you connect with them on an emotional level um they'll they'll run through a wall for you um they don't necessarily care uh what system you run what defense you run what um if they trust you they will run through a wall for you and and i quickly realized that you know in a lot of ways girls are the most coachable athletes i've ever coached in my life in all the sports i've coached um, I have really enjoyed my experience coaching girls. My dad was a head college women's coach and I never really saw his eye because I was too young at the time. But um, I really enjoy coaching female athletes. They're, they're a, a joy to be around uh, and they love to learn and they'll they'll do anything you ask for you if you trust them. If they trust you, they'll do anything. Yeah I,
0: yeah, I think uh that was one of the big, you know, things that uh, got my attention when I first started coaching girls. I started out with uh, the boys kind of like you and and this is <laughs> shows my ignorance, but it really surprised me the competitiveness that uh that is there and uh as you said just uh the coaching aspect um, you know, uh it, it just seems a lot easier with uh with the girls a lot of times. Yeah, they they've been enjoyable In terms of just,
1: I I was really surprised just, they work so hard and they're so incredibly skilled. Um, Obviously, it's a different school district than I'm used to, but walking into the first practices and first open gyms and there's 15, 16 girls and they're fighting tooth and nail to, to not get knocked off the court. I just, the competitive fire was really, really impressed me from them.
0: Yeah. Um, So, you know, people who follow Idaho high school basketball probably know about Middleton's run under Andy Jones, um, but the position became kind of a bit of a revolving door uh, for coaches after he left. Uh, I believe you are the first coach to return for a second season since 2017-18. So what impact do you think a second season of you being there will have on the program?
1: I think just some consistency. Now, I walked into a really good situation. Lucky for me, not only did Andy Jones build such a great program here, he was actually my math teacher uh, <laughs> when I was a student uh, here at Middleton. Um, but then the coach after him, Nikki Williamson, was was a talented head coach as well. Uh, she uh, decided not to coach anymore. She had, a, she had a baby, and now she's our head track coach at Middleton, and she's actually a very close friend of mine. And then the coach bef- after her was an interim coach, Jacob Doty, he's now the JV head coach at Hawaii under Jordan Axe. Um, he was great to learn from too. Um, so it's just, it's just been a revolving door, but it's been a revolving door of talented coaches. Um, so the foundation was set. It was re- it's really easy to hang drywall if somebody does the framing first, you know, and, and, and I always remembered that and I very appreciate what they were, what they, they were able to do. And yeah, first coach to return since the 2017 Um, 18 season but I think just some the consistency in terms of the system we run a different system than all three of those coaches ran and so now we have our second season with the group of girls who are going to be running the same system that they ran last year when they've never done that in all their high school career we have a group of seniors that when they were juniors last year I was their third coach in three years and the school's fourth coach in four years so these high school girls when they were going into their junior year, they played for three different people. And so this will be the first year that they actually got a summer ball to run a system and actually learn a system, and they really started hitting their stride towards the end of the year, districts, um, kind of a bumpy road at state, but summer was very impressive because they didn't guess. They just made the reads and played basketball, and I, I just got to enjoy watching and coaching the sidelines because they just flew around and played, and that was really fun.
0: Yeah, so your first year, uh, you really didn't have time to work with the girls before the season started, uh, obviously, because of uh, COVID. Um, So you have had that uh, second season. And what has been your emphasis, though? I know it's fun to to watch them, but I also know that you and you're doing some coaching things and stuff like that. So what have you emphasized this summer? Uh,
1: Making the reads, playing basketball, flying around. If you're going to make a mistake, do it 110 miles an hour. Uh, Don't second guess the decisions you're making on the floor. If you're going to make that pass, then make that pass. Fire it. You know, if you're going to push the ball, then push. Go finish. Playoff two. Uh, it was really just, you know, I emphasize you shouldn't look to me on the sidelines about what to do. You're a varsity basketball player now. Just play. I'll put you in the X's and O's, but after that, you have to use the skill development that you've used in the individual practice to be a basketball player. Get to your spots, get to your shots, and find your teammates in their spots, and find them in their sh- with for their shots. Uh, just p- and play together. There's no reason to look over to me and coach. What are we running? What are we doing? What you know now? This is what we expect on a defensive rebound. This is what we expect if we're taken out of bounds. This is what we expect if on a make miss. Uh, you guys just play, and I'll coach you during timeouts and half times, between quarters.
0: Yeah, I, I mean we did. Basically the same thing. There was just a, a structure for the offense, and then it was really encouraging them to play. And then even things like our baseline inbounds, uh, we we didn't give them any plays. We just said, okay, one is screen across, uh, two is screen down, and uh, you know, you guys figure it out out of there. And we didn't have any problems getting the ball in and the kids uh, made some good reads. So I totally uh, appreciate uh, that style of just letting them play. Where does that kind of come from? Uh, as far as a coach for you, why do you, why do you want to emphasize that?
1: I, I think it it came from um, how I grew up and how my dad kind of coached, you know, you, sometimes you're a spitting image and the apple doesn't fall far from the tree with your dad. If he's a coach, what you learned from him, what you watched. And when he was at uh, TVCC, Um, in Ontario as the head women's coach for eight years, he, he really emphasized, well, we're, it's hard to get really, really super talented girls to Ontario, Oregon, when you're going, especially when they were in the SWAC and they're going against, you know, Ricks when Ricks was still school and, you know, and, um, Utah Valley before they became a a division one, he said, they have to just play and we have to, we have to get up and down. Now they have a shot clock, but they have to get up and down. If we want to have successful and stay with teams, we have to play fast. We have to get up and down the floor. And when I walked in and saw the talent of the open gyms, I realized how good they were in the open, open floor and just playing off turnovers and defensive rebounds. And earlier in the year, I was like, we're going to slow it down. We're going to run this quick hitter. We're going to run this set. We're going to run this motion. Then I quickly realized that they started to overthink. And I was like, okay, play, just play. And we, we call, you know, you might hear me yell Oregon and Oregon is just, we're playing. That's open play. You know, we're either four out or five, out, but you guys are just going to play. Push. You have three seconds to get the ball across the floor. Uh, and if you don't, then we set up and run a motion or a transition offense or a quick hitter. But if you can get it across that half court in three seconds, it's it's on you girls.
0: All right. So, not to take away from your season last year, because you had a great season. You guys did a good job. You dominated the four see but I know that you were probably a little and the girls were a little disappointed about how things went at, uh, at state. So how have you approached looking at the needs of your program after that state tournament last year?
1: Well, the first thing I had to do was I had to take 48 hours and remove myself emotionally from the situation. Cause I was upset, but not upset or mad at them. I was, um, upset and sad for them because you get to see their face in the locker room, you know, after, you know, having good rankings throughout the year. And we all know that the rankings aren't always indicative of the talent because some teams play in a conference where they battle every night, every other night. And, and so records and the rankings don't really necessarily mean anything. And I kept telling the girls that, but I was just super sad for them. So I waited the 48 hours and I said, okay, what do we have to do to improve? What do we have to, I watched the film once as a fan, because I'm a fan of our girls. You know, I watched it uh, once as a coach and then once to take stats and then another time to like, okay, I'm not watching any of the highlights. I'm watching the I'm only watching bad possessions, you know, and I was like, what did we do that hindered our success at the state tournament? And the first big thing that came to mind was, well, we you go up against Amari Whiting in the first round, (laughs) you know, and we didn't necessarily execute our game plan on her. And that was never going underneath screens. Um, And I know we're going to segue into that next, but um, we didn't really execute down the stretch in the fourth quarter. We did okay in the first three quarters. Um, And then the next night, you know, it's hard to come back the next night, you know, the next day, middle of the day and play at a high level, you know, girls are sad from the night before, you know, they get on the bus the next day. They're not exactly, you know, jolly. Uh, um, And then try to get them motivated to play. And then you ran into a really good skyline team. But uh, when I approached it, I looked at, okay, we, we have got to make better decisions. We have, like I said earlier, we cannot look to the sidelines and and be coached every single possession, every single pass, every single uh, screen. You know, I can't coach you through a set, you know, set the back pick now flare. Now, you know, I, you have to be able to do that on your own without me saying it all the time. And I noticed a lot of times on film that we second guessed ourselves that we never had to do that before. We didn't do that during our conference run. We didn't have to do that. We just played, and they had success. But then they they didn't get a chance to push the floor that much against Burley in the state tournament. And a lot of that is because of Amara Whiting picking up full court and and so I I approached in the sense of what do we have to do in the summer to improve? And honestly, I felt that we had to go out of the valley to play teams all summer to get better. And that's why we went to Idaho Falls, we went to Pocatello, we went to Sugar Salem, um, and then we went to then we had the Timberline tournament, and then I asked Coach Jones to put us against. I want to play all top four A teams or five A teams. Like put us against the best you have. I don't care if they're out of state. Then I looked at um, winter tournaments. Like who we need? Who who do we need to play in the winter tournaments? Like uh, uh, to get better. We can't. Our non-conference schedule last year, unfortunately, was because of COVID. We had two weeks where we got shut down, and so we had to pick up some teams. We lost Rocky. We lost Boro. We lost Boise, which I think playing those teams non-conference would have helped us for the state tournament. Uh, And I love our conference and we have, we have a very good coaches in our conference, but our conference wasn't at its best last year. Um, So it didn't necessarily prepare us for the state tournament. So I asked our AD and he scheduled, we have, you know, Boro who's going to be really good with coach, uh, coach Lopez. And we have Boise again. Uh, We play Rocky again who's very well coached by coach Humphreys over there. And they're improving a lot. And then I said, well, we got to go to it. We got to go out of the Valley for a winter tournament. And that was to sign up for uh, Preston invited us. And I said, I don't care what it costs. We got to go. We'll fundraise. We'll do everything. We'll stay. We're going to take all three teams. We'll play Green Canyon out of Utah. Probably Uh, Preston's very good who I think was one of the top five teams in the state last year. Unfortunately, they have century in their conference (laughs) Um, because I think they could have made a great run at it last year. uh, Preston, um, And so I really said, like, let's go play the best week. I don't care if we go 0-25 this summer. We're going to play the best competition uh, we can so that we know how to play in the fourth quarter and down the stretch.
0: How have the girls responded to that?
1: I honestly think that they improved not because – Not because they're like, oh, we're playing better competition, but they just like, they rose to the occasion. They're like, okay, I bet I got to show up. This isn't just like our third game on a Saturday afternoon before we head back to town and we're going to win by 30, then we're going to have ice cream and we're going to get on the van. It's, we got to show up. It's, it may be our third game, but we're playing Skyline or we're playing Burley or we're playing, um, we played, oh man, a team that was very, very good. We played Thunder Ridge twice this summer and they were very talented. And they like rose to the occasion. It was funny that when we played teams like Thunder Ridge, Burley, and Skyline during the summer, and and nobody's ever full strength, um, everybody's got somebody gone or playing a club tournament or something like that. But you just they just rose and they and they played their best when their best was needed this summer, and that's what we didn't do at the state tournament last year
0: yeah we're pretty fortunate because you know we get to mix with the five a's up here so we typically you know this last year we had eight games against uh some pretty good opponents and then um you know uh typically we play at least six against the five a's but and my feedback from the girls one of the things that uh that they identified is we need to we need to play other competition from across the state so that we know what to be prepared for when we get to the state tournament. And I think, you know, that's, that's you know, Idaho is such a great state as far as basketball is concerned, but a lot of times you show up, uh, especially uh, teams from the North, and we have no idea, okay, how good is Amari? You know, like how, or yeah. uh, <laughs> or uh, Blackfoot, you know, what what do they look like? Are they quick or, you know, and stuff like that. So I think it's an important thing. And so it's kind of interesting and we'll get to kind of the seeding aspect, your thoughts on that. But, you know, I think one direct uh, effect of it is obviously some of these top programs in the forays are looking around and saying, hey, we need to get around and play other teams so we know what's going on. Yeah, I, I definitely
1: agree. Uh, I I mean, it was really hard to tell how good we were last year, um, you know, when we, were score- when we were scoring in the 60s and a couple times in the 70s and, and just like, how good are we? I mean, we're pushing the ball, but like, we have really bad habits. You know, we get away with bad habits that when we're playing girls like Maddie Olson and Prairie Caldwell and, and Amar Whiting that they expose you for, you know, not necessarily did we get exposed for our mistakes during, uh, during the season last year. And, And that's what I needed. I needed our mistakes to be exposed. So we knew what to work on in practice. So my coach and I my assistant coach and I knew what to really focus on during practice. I mean, it's like, Oh, everything's working. We're, we're undefeated in conference. Everything's working. We're just going to keep doing the same drills. We're going to keep, and that doesn't necessarily help the girls keep, it doesn't keep them interested and it doesn't help the coaches stay on our game either. So I'm, I'm completely with you. Like go find out where the talent and, and there's a lot of 4A 3A and 5A talent outside of the Valley.
0: For sure, for sure. So uh, it came up uh, in our discussion, and I think, uh, you know, it's something that uh, it looks like we're going to have to battle for the next two years, uh, hopefully, if uh, all the teams get to state. But any advice on guarding a national top 30 player who I would say, you know, boys or girls has to be, you know, if not the number one player in the state, like the second player in the state?
1: Yeah, I I it's it's hard to argue to say, well, this this boy is the top player in the state or something, but I mean this girl has got, you know, Arizona, UCLA, Oregon, Gonzaga. Um, I know she had visits to Utah and BYU and and I don't think that I don't think I think it's just the tip of the iceberg too. I think, you know, more schools are like, who is this girl? You know, and you know, you got Arizona who what they lost in the national championship last year, right? Uh, there's no telling what offer she could have at the end of August. You know, she is a national top 30 player in terms of advice. I don't know how I can <laughs> I, I'm not answer that because when I was an assistant, she had 29 on us in the, as a freshman. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to do something a little different when, if we play her again. And then she had 37. Um, and, you know, we walk out of the stadium and you hear, you know, you hear dad mumble. Well, we obviously didn't have a plan and, And I'm like, and I don't say anything. Uh, There's no reason to, especially emotions are high. Um, But I was like, well, NBA coaches have plans. Uh, Coach K (laughs) has plans. Coach Cal has plans. And guys still drop 40, 50, 60, 70, 81 in an NBA game. Um, Some players are just special. Uh, And like I said, you know, we didn't necessarily execute down the stretch with the Mari. I mean, she had like, I think she had 12 or 13 in the fourth quarter of her 37. And when we were right there, we were up to, you know, down to up to, I mean, we were right there the whole time. Um, but she, we attacked too early at the end of the third. So she gets a, she gets a chance. I was like, we want that ball out of our hand two seconds so that they don't get, to, if we have last shot, that means the ball leaves your hand, buzzer goes off. Well, we don't do that. And, and I'm thinking to myself, Oh, she's got four seconds. Sure enough. She pushes the floor. We go under the screen. She hits a three, and, and, and at that point, we were, i think—we are up or as tied. Um, huge. I couldn't imagine what that'd be if we had full stands, like if her, the whole town of Burley was there, <laughs> what that would have done, you know. And then she hits three threes at the in the fourth because now she's feeling it. Now she's like, okay, I'm the best player in the state. Come at me, you know. And she plays top competition all all year, like she plays other top nationally ranked players. She plays on that Adidas team. Uh and told the girls like we can't, uh, she will expose us, but one of the things that make Amari great, and and, and I've noticed that on film because I watch I probably watch every single game film they had last year. I annoyed probably every coach that played her. <laughs> um her motor defensively is 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 unreal and being able to she gets six to eight points a game just from picking somebody's pocket, and then you look, she gets to the foul line eight to she shoots, she usually sh- sh- scores. Eight to 14 points from the foul line, you know. So that's 20 right there, and that's not including like any field goals in the half court where she hits a three or she drives to the basket or and one because she got to the line. So you can have plans, and and we tried some things this summer against them with some success. Uh, we did like a triangle and two and sent both girls to her in the summer. Now that worked in the summer. Because she didn't have our two teammates, the twins or the sisters. Yeah. You know, So we played four on three and just said, we're going to take whatever we get. Because, you know, that monkey on the back, she, I mean, our girls are like, when they see her, they, you know, they're like, oh, that's Amari. That's Amari. She's done. She's averaged 33 and a half or 34 points on us, you know, but I think the summer helped because now they're, if we play them again in the Preston tournament or in the state tournament, we're not like. Oh no, that's Amari. Oh no, that's Amari. Um, and so our girl, I think that playing them this summer that helped and in summer ball game, we might've won. And obviously they were not full strength. Um, you know, neither were we, but she's so good at getting to her spots and the, she's unselfish too. Like she finds shooters. And that's what I noticed when I watched film on her, how often she got the sisters open looks. I was like, well, we can't zone because they're going to find her. And if we zone, she's going to destroy us up top. So I was like, Oh, we're going to go, man, we're going to try to switch everything. And we're going to go over the top, um, over the top with one and under with two, with the second defender, with the screener. And we, we might try to blitz the screen with her, but then she found open shooters. And so, you know, and I've second-guessed everything I've done the last four months since the state tournament. And then I was like, well, I got to stop 2nd guessing myself because I'm asking my girls not to second-guess themselves. And and if we were to play them again, I might do something different. But for the life of me, I'm not sure what that would be (laughs) because she's so good. Yeah,
0: I you know, I think, uh, well, there's – plenty of good points uh there but you know like you said she's a, she's a special player and and one of the things that really impressed me because we uh played them 2 years ago when she was a freshman and we uh we beat them really tight game but uh you know uh, we were able to kind of contain her because she got in foul trouble uh defensively we were able to attack her the biggest difference i saw you know besides just just being a uh, a more consistent scorer not that she wasn't a scorer when she was a freshman, but more consistent was that uh, defensively she had really, really improved and understood, understood how not to get into foul trouble, you know, and I think yeah, uh, it's very
1: impressive. You, um you mentioned that the improvement on the defensive end, and I was very impressed with her as a freshman on the, as her defense and her motor really. Um, But you mentioned, you mentioned that and she always guards the other team's best player. Yeah. You know, and, and we have a pretty good girl at point guard for us too. all state um, first team all Idaho Peyton Hymas, you know, she's going into her fourth year on varsity. She's a, she's a dang good player. And, and she, you know, she had 12, 13 points against, against Whiting, but a lot of times it was Whiting picked her moments when she was going to try to go for the steal. She jumps the lane really well. Her technique using her inside hand instead of her out, uh, instead of her outside hand to go for passing lanes helped a lot. Um, and then obviously she's improved. So because she, in the summer, she goes up against other top D one guards all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, there,
0: uh, yeah. Two more, two more things on that is that, you know, um, I think, uh, cause I heard the mumbling too <laughs> afterwards yeah. and it's like, well, you know, I, I would encourage you. She, I think she went 10 and 14 against us from the field. And yeah. I, and I said, you know, I, this was my thought. And I talked to my fellow coaches about this is, I would uh, challenge pretty much any girl of the state to take four, the 14 shots that she she made in that game, you know, uh, without defense and see like how, you know, I, very few of them would go 10 to 14 based on the variety of shots that she made. And oh, then, absolutely. Yeah. And then the second thing is that, you know, you bring up the amount of basketball that she plays is that you know well why didn't you do this defense well we really haven't practiced that defense and on the other hand she has gone against that defense a lot she you know it's not she's yeah. you're you're not going to throw anything at her that she hasn't seen yet because like like you said the amount of basketball that she plays at a state level and then at a national level like she she has seen it all it's just yeah. she well, is an she amazing goes to
1: all those high-end skill development camps too Yeah. So the game is where we think we're speeding her up. It's actually really slow. It's slower to her. Yeah. Um. not, not saying Idaho is slower to her, but the game slows down for her when in some of our play, it might speed up, you know, so she, it may look like she's going a million miles an hour, but her brain is going, okay, she goes under, I hit, she goes over, I drive, but she scores at different levels too. And she's really good at getting you in the air and getting the foul. She understands. And, She understands scoring at different levels, but like you said, she makes some ridiculous tough shots, and you're just like, "Okay, what do you? You just got to tip your cap and go, okay, well maybe she won't make it next time."
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. She's uh, definitely playing chess, and a lot of us are playing checkers. You know,
1: exactly. That's how I felt at the state tournament.
0: Yeah, um, so let's go ahead and move on. And you know, one of the things that you do as well as you coach football, so you got a busy start of the school year. You know, from football into into basketball. But I was wondering, do you find any similarities between coaching football and basketball?
1: I, I think that there's a lot more physical toughness um, with both of them that people might not. They're like people obviously obviously assume that football is way more physical um, than basketball, and and they're probably right. Uh, in most cases, but basketball, there's no besides like some girls wear a knee sleeve or an elbow sleeve or, you know, some I know some of the boys wear those like rib protector pads or whatever. But there's a lot of physicality. There's I mean, there's a lot of super tough, aggressive girls out there in the state of Idaho that will take your head off if you drive the wrong time, you know, and uh, and I don't I don't think people understand that um, that the girls are super physical. And people think that because they may be girls, that they're not as physical. They're extreme. You watch a boys game compared to a girls game. A lot of time, the boys game is a lot more. There might be some more finesse, but there are some absolute battles with the girls. Elbows to the gut, you know, grab your jersey, scratch, nail, claw. Like, they're aggressive. Um, So that's a big uh, similarity between the two. I think discipline. Um, in football, you know, there's 11 guys out there. And if one person messes up, uh, it can expose that you can get a teammate hurt, you know, basketball, I don't If you mess up. You might, your teammate might not get hurt. Um, but definitely on defense, if you make the wrong rotation or something, you're not in the right spot, uh, you can get a teammate hurt. Um, but in terms of similarities, I think like the toughness, the physicality between coaching football and basketball, I think like. You, it's, it, it has to, everybody has to be on the same page. And if you're not, it could, it could, I don't care how good you are. Um, if your teammates aren't on the right page, um like with Whiting, if she drives and somebody cuts at the same time and she's in the way, you know, your team's not going to have a lot of success. And we have, we understand that uh, coaching football and basketball, like your teammates depend on you to do what you're supposed to, not only to try to win a game, but to protect each other physically you have to know what you're doing or you could get somebody hurt and we nobody wants to lose a player especially we're dealing with teenagers uh young athletes nobody wants to lose a player freak accidents happen all the time but you don't want to lose a player because somebody made a mistake that you work on in practice uh several hours a day
0: yeah it is kind of interesting you know i was just thinking about this as you were talking is that you know football you know there's the plays but you know on the other side of the ball the defense can kind of move all over the place and do different things so offensively you've got the play you know but you also have to make these reads and if you don't make the right read then it's going to look really ugly or like you said a yeah. uh, player can get hurt whereas you know i think one of the things i try to talk to people about with uh with basketball is you know especially like people that have kind of come up with their kids and you know, I've watched like junior high basketball. It's like, well, at the varsity level, there's a lot of complexity to the defenses and there's rotations and there's all this stuff that if it's just off by a second, uh, you're going to give up a layup. And so I think there that, you know, just a point that I take away from what you were talking about is just that here, you know, these, these kids, uh, they have to rely on each other and they have to make those right reads and it, and it has to be done uh, really, really quickly, or you're not going to be successful.
1: Oh, for sure. I think, that what well, you just mentioned with if you make a mistake or if you're half a second off, you can make all you can be all in the right spots in football or basketball. You can be in the right spots. Do everything you're supposed to do. You know, no middle or no baseline, or or we're not giving out the curl flat area or whatever, and somebody can still make a play. Like that's the beauty of sports. Like you can do everything right as a coach, and then some an opposing player, you know, scores a touchdown because they're shifty or they hit a 25-foot three-pointer. Or they get you up in the air and make a foul shot and, you know, an and one. And you can make all the right decisions, but somebody can still make a play. Um, and that's what I think keeps coaching interesting uh, when you coach both sports. Um, and I got to be honest, I'm a completely different coach uh,
0: <laughs>
1: on the football field. I'm, you know, probably way more intense on the football field. Um, on the basketball floor, I've I've matured a little bit in my coaching last nine years to being super just like that on the basketball floor to like taking a step back more of a Phil Jackson kind of zen like you know I told myself this year going into the girls as a head coach I was going to sit down more and not pace you know because that sometimes makes the girls nervous or or you're yelling and that makes it you know so I was like okay I'm just going to sit you know we'll do a lot of non-verbal uh hand gestures for plays sets whatever um or you give you give your point guard experienced point guards, some free reign to call her own sets and quick hitters based on what she sees and, uh, in football, you can't do that. You know, you can't, you don't really give your quarterback a lot of, especially at the JV level. Hey, you call the offense. Mm, No, (laughs) 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 we're not going, uh, we're not going verts every single play, you know, for, so you can throw it deep every play. And, uh, and so that's definitely interesting with the, the, the difference between both the sports
0: all right so let's talk a little bit about uh your practices and so what is there an outline that you typically follow for for your practices
1: uh typically the first 30 minutes are always the same um and COVID kind of put you know a, a halt to that because we our, our district wouldn't let us mix the frosh and jv teams so if a frosh so we have the we have the luckily we have an upstairs jam two upstairs gyms, and a main floor so they we would split up um And so we would, I would get all the coaches have the same practice plan, but typically I like all 36 players to warm up together on the line, do their dynamic. um, And then we use the six hoops that we have in the main gym to start with our form shooting, you know, three girls out of hoop while girls are doing ball handling. We use a lot of resistant bands that go around the ankle, um, stuff like that. To start practice, I usually do everything together for 30 minutes, and that includes some um, transition drills, five-man um, 5, five man weave, three-on-two, two-on-one. We use the two courts with all the teams. We usually put the top five or six JV team players with the varsity players, and then so we have about 18 on each hoop. Um, but COVID kind of stopped that because we weren't allowed to do that. So my first year last year, because the whole point was if a JV girl tested positive, only her team wouldn't get to play in the game because they didn't mix. Even though
0: they're yeah. in class
1: together, they share classrooms, they share, they get they drive to practice together. Um, so typically we start with a dynamic warm-up, then we go into a Viking shooting, which you've probably seen. They just they curl, there's two lines on the lane line extended, and they they curl around and they gotta make five or seven or ten to move to the next spot. Um, we usually got five minutes, they have to try to get all the way back to the layup in in five minutes. And it's difficult. Uh, and I've only seen it done a couple times, um, but we do that. Uh, and then we do the five on three on two uh, back. And then we do our transition offense, just, you know, two and three are wide. We got a rim runner. We got the the four taking it out as the trail. Um, and then we split up. And then I usually give the coaches, you know, JV coach and the frosh coach free reign. You watch your film more than anybody else. You do what you feel is right. Um, and then at the end of practice, I typically try to bring everybody together. Um, and we do some sort of team bonding. I don't care if it's a half-court shot for Gatorade or or we do one-on-one call-outs or, or something like that. Um, and that's kind of the football coach and me. At the very end, we do a board drill or something to fire somebody up, you know, to end practice on a good note. Or we do varsity versus JV scrimmages or, or Frosh versus JV. So we'll bring all three teams into the main gym and we do this UCLA three-on-two continuous, you know. And we'll do JV versus varsity. And then we'll make the frosh team cheer. You know, it's like, okay, who thinks the varsity is going to win? Who thinks the JV or you two? And we don't even let them choose sometimes. Like, you six are cheering for the JV team, you six are cheering for the varsity team. And then they, they have to be loud. And because we teach to be loud on the sidelines and be engaged and everything like that. And then we have the JV play the frosh team and the bar, we split the varsity girls up to cheer up, cheer on the frosh and JV, which makes the freshman girls. And the frosh girls, JV girls feel really special. Like, Hey, these girls know my name. You know, that's a senior, that girl's all state she knows my name. How cool is that? I used to watch her when I was in the fifth grade or sixth grade or, you know, and I don't know about you, but our community, we have a lot of girls that are related cousins, sisters, you know, so they might have a third grade sister and then they another one's a senior, but then they, they come up, we had three sisters in the program last year on and, and that's just enjoyable. So that's what, how we typically, Run our practices, and then when we get into conference play, it's a little more structured with um, what we're doing. But we always have EDD everyday drills. Um, even when we split up, the varsity girls do the exact same drills every single day. Um, the intangibles, the things that you got to to Like, did you know as well as I do, if you can't make a shot sixty percent of the time with no defense, that you should never be <laughs> that shot, right? Right. So we do those, you know, partner shooting, um, Kansas shooting, where you got to get your own rebound and space out and find somebody open. And, and, and then we do the same drills with somebody running at you um, with your partner shooting. And we do those every day. And then the last hour is typically we're preparing for our next game or we're, we're adding something defensively or offensively, or, you know, we only have like five or six sets, but they all have two or three wrinkles, you know, because we typically just run and gun and play. and, And like I told you before, we just make reads. So that's usually how a typical practice goes for us.
0: All right, well, it sounds like fun. Um, but uh, also, this transitions into my next question. So, let's say you are playing a league rival in a couple days, what's your approach in preparing yourself, your coaches, and your team for that game? So,
1: uh, we use huddle as well. Uh, a lot of coaches, do. I don't know if you guys use it, I know mm-hmm. most teams do. It's you know, the state of Idaho um is pretty universal with that, it kind of throws kind of throws a, a wrench in the gear. If somebody uses something else, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody sent was like, Hey, can I get that film? And they send you a link instead of like, Hey, I don't have it. <laughs> oh, we don't have huddle.
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: so I watch it. Um, one time just to watch. Uh, and I do that. That's a, something I learned from, um, Steve Keller, who was a coach that I worked up under a Montana Western. He's at the university of Providence now in great falls. Um, but at Montana Western. He always watched the game film just to watch it. Like, because there's when you're not looking for things, then you notice stuff. Oh, they're really good at this, or they're really bad at this. But when you're like looking for stuff, or like we're gonna do this to stop that, so you watch it once. It's kind of like a fan just to try to like subconsciously find something out about a team. Um, and then you watch it. I watch just offense. I fast forward through their defense, and then I watch it one more time, just defense. Fast forward through the offense, and then we make our notes. I make my notes that we're going to do in practice and then I delegate the uh scouting report to my assistant coach who just got done she played at snow and then college of Idaho she's young and, so and and she loves it and I think that you you have to be able to delegate so the practice plan or the scouting report is up to her and that's where she puts she watches tendencies this girl tendency she loves to pull up right you know, this girl loves to go left. This girl loves to the pull up, the pull up. This girl loves to get you in the air. She does all that. And then I do more of the this is what we're gonna do as a team defensively. This is what we're gonna do as a team offensively. Um, and then we bring the girls in. Typically, I like having the later practice. My wife doesn't like it we gotta- <laughs> um and we don't we can go to school till 4:15. We oh we're wow. four-day work week. Okay. So if we have the, the later practice that starts at six 30, I bring the girls in at five o'clock, let them go home, whatever they want to do. And then we go over it. Um, and we try to keep it under 30 minutes because a film session under 30 minutes I've found even as a player, I'm okay. I'm done. I'm out. Like what's next, you know? So we go 30 minutes or we'll do 30 minutes one day and then 30 minutes the next day. And then we will bring them in day be- the day of the game. And I typically, we have a film room or a classroom and and they go to eat their, they, they bring food to eat together. And then I just put it on and then they watch it as fans, you know? So they're like, oh, so then they practice saying like, oh, here comes that on ball. Here comes that double stagger away. Uh, Here comes that baseline out of bounds plays. Remember, you got to stay low. And then they talk to each other. Um, And then we leave the room and go watch the Frost and JV game. Um, And then that's how we typically do it. And then obviously they have access to the film themselves. And then I print out. A uh you can see who watches film the most, you know, you can yeah. Uh, yeah. And, stuff like that. and and the girls don't like it because like, coach, it only works if I use it on my laptop. If I watch <laughs> my phone, it doesn't count. It doesn't count it. So they t- text me, hey, I watched an hour, or I watched an hour and a half so that I don't forget. Um, and so that's how we prepare for teams. Um, but a lot of times I gotta uh, to be honest, I don't want what other teams do to dictate what what we yeah. do and try to overthink it like we're gonna play we're gonna play our game we're gonna dictate what they do not not what we do now that's easier to do the last couple years in our conference um than it is if you were going up against maddie olsen every night or or you know amari every night or century or you guys or mountain home every night and it's it's very different um depending on who you're going up for and you know i know that with bk we probably watch a lot more film than we do you know other teams um but then if we have them thinking too much, then, then they think too much on rotations and, and then it actually, it's counterproductive. So, you know, and even though we have a game plan going into something, we might go four minutes into the first quarter, go, Nope. And <laughs> try something different. I, I don't necessarily have a system that I fall in love. I always believe in, you know, KYP, you know, know your personnel and, and whatever, I'll try anything to be successful on the defensive or offensive end. I'm, I'm not ever going to be painted uh, painted in a corner or pigeonholed into, into, Oh, I'm this guy, or I'm, I'm that guy. And I only do that. And I know you're the same way you'll do whatever it takes. Most coaches are, I'll do whatever it takes to be successful. Um, I'll run whatever defense I think will work to stop somebody. Um, And then somebody still scores 37 on you.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, (laughs) Hey, uh, got a few more questions for you. I really appreciate your time. So what does team building look like in your program? Obviously you kind of talked about how you guys practice together and stuff like that. Is there other things that, uh, that, that you do?
1: Yeah, the, and the girls typically do this on their own. Um, I wasn't as involved with it uh, with babies at home, two kids under two years old, but the day before a game, the girls always have a team dinner at somebody's house, and and they don't care. if They've gone all through twelve girls, like they'll go through again. And they they don't even if we play two nights in a row, they have a team dinner, um, every day at somebody's house, and that's just the community we are. And and that's how the Middleton girls program was. That started under and under Jones, it continued under Williamson, and continued under Doty, and so the coaches, and players ask, can we do that? I was like, (laughs) I'm not gonna (laughs) stop you. I'm not gonna stop what got Middleton to be good. Like I'm going to try, I'm gonna throw my little wrinkles at stuff, but like I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Middleton has a tradition, and you guys, whatever it is, do it. You know, just like I would want as a player. Um, so we typically do that. Like I said, we do the at the end of practice, we do something fun. Um we we I've gone after a couple of games, we we drive, we drive a van to the varsity games. Um, because we get our district actually charges us if
0: yeah, that's right. Yeah, we
1: have to pay for transportation. Um, so I was like, well, I'm just gonna take the van then. That means that varsity girls don't have to sit through two full games on the bleachers, fall asleep, do homework. Like they can they can come to the school later, and then we can leave to a game. But we've gone to I've taken the girls to Dutch Bros, which, you know, it doesn't cost that much. It you know, eighty bucks maybe, and the girls love it and they make fun of each other's orders and they laugh at each other. And they, they, you know, they probably shouldn't, but they taste each other's drinks and then they laugh and they joke. And, and I really like that because when we're on the van, they play their music, whatever they want to listen to. We can't do that on the bus, Yeah. you know, but the girls, they're super loose and they play the music and they, they laugh and they dance and I'm just driving like, Sometimes I got to have my own head <laughs> in it, Yeah. or they're asking questions or, and you, you get to know them because they they're talking about more than just basketball. They're talking about, you know, sometimes they talk about boys and I'm like, girls, I, that's my TA <laughs> or, or, that's my football players. Or I, you know, I don't want, but then they just laugh because, you know, they think they, they know that they're bonding with you because they're making you embarrassed yeah. or they're making you laugh. And, and then they, they really enjoy it. And it, it helps too, because that I'm on campus. Um, I teach at the high school here, so I see them all the time. And in terms of bonding, if I teach PE, so when they all have PE of some way or another, I go say hi to every single one of them every single day, uh, in their class or in their weight room, especially during my prep. And to the point where now, if I don't, because I have a meeting or something, they're like, (laughs) are you, I get a text. Are you sick today? Are you you okay? Is the baby sick? Like they, you know, and, and the girls are super sweet. They've in. They bought like onesies for my kids and and little Nike stuff and little Nike socks and you know and I've never felt more in tune with a group of athletes in my 10 11 years of coaching than I have with uh, with this particular girls and a lot of it comes with the senior class that we have we have we have five four and a half five starters returning Um, and a lot of these girls I knew their brothers or their uncles or played pickleball with their dads and and so I've known them since they were really little or I was their fifth grade student teacher when they were in fourth, fifth grade. And so they remember, so I've known them a while, and there's going to be a lot of tears when they're gone, but that was just an example of, okay, I need to create that same relationship with the incoming freshmen, sophomores and, and stuff like that. And I think getting to know your players, I go to the middle school games. I make the varsity girls go help at middle school practices. Um, and I see a lot of your Instagram stuff and you, I see little kids and your girls helping your little, the girls. And, and I think they have to, I think, Part of being a varsity athlete or high school athlete is you're indebted to your community to set an example because somebody set that example for you and and you must, it's required in our program to work camps and and go to the practices and help little kids. Um, And that helps bonding too, because not only are they bonding together, but they're teaching the younger girls how to bond too. And that's the expectations when they get into the high school is we bond here. I don't care if you love each other but during practices games team building film class weight room you're going to love and respect each other i don't care if you hate each other's guts um, you will love and respect each other on the floor and especially in front of me and if i hear that you're not we're gonna have a conversation
0: yeah, I think that uh, relationship between the high school kids and the younger kids is such a huge part of what's helped our program continue to have success. And, you know, it's been awesome this year because uh, Maddie Shoning, who just graduated from the University of Montana, is going to be on our staff and she's able to awesome. walk in and she's got that street cred, you know, because yeah. these these high school girls came and watched her and then you know, uh, and then they see that relationship about how that works because she was at the camps and now they understand, okay, this isn't an, an important thing. And so, you know, just if you can get that, uh, if you can get that going in your program, then you're going to be successful. Uh, it might not show a lot of, or it might not show all the time and wins and losses, yeah. but if you got that relationship and kids walk away, just happy to come back and help out. That's, you know, that's, that's what makes it worth it for me.
1: Well, I think it helps too with longevity as a coach. Like whether you win, I mean, I've been in programs where we've gone 0 and 20, I've been in programs where we've gone 17 and 2 or or 19 and 2 or whatever. You could win a district title and still get forced out as a coach. Yeah. You can go <laughs> 20 and still get forced out as a coach. But if you're creating a positive and safe environment where kids want to be a part of your program and they want to keep coming back and they have good experiences, I think that helps school boards, uh admin. Um, and the community go well we weren't very good this year but this is our guy or this is our this is our gal this is the coach this is the best person for our program oh and 20 or 20 and oh i think that helps with your longevity and especially when you get to know those girls from second kindergarten on all the way up and those coaches know you and those parents are invested in you and those girls are invested in you and you're invested in them it just helps with longevity as a coach
0: all right so a couple more questions what we are, I'm sorry, we've seen some significant changes from the IHSAA uh, the last couple of years that, as we've talked about in this conversation, like have a direct impact on on, on the game in Idaho. Uh, that includes state seating and then uh, kind of an uh, interesting move by the IHSAA with the uh, off-season workouts. Um, in your opinion, what have they gotten right and what might they maybe need to improve on?
1: Well, uh, and you know, the the IHSA gets a lot of slack for a lot of stuff. And, and, but to me, I, I kind of think like, okay, these people are creating an opportunity for me to give back to students and athletes and community. Um, in terms of what I think, I think they got right. Was I think limiting the amount of hours was not necessarily a great idea, but like something like that had to happen. Um, do I think 20 hours? is enough no um no especially because you know one way or another people are going to find their way into a gym um whether it be a church an elementary school everybody's got somebody that can open an elementary school or they know a teacher or or whatever like that and then you know not every coach you know follows the rules so like this is great on paper and stuff but that doesn't mean that a coach isn't going to be working with their players for 40 or 50 hours you know, and, and then maybe, and cause you have to self-report anyway. So if you don't self-report, then it doesn't matter. Um, now what I don't, what I now navigating through the rule is what I've found challenging because it seems like there's some loopholes and it seems like there's some vague descriptions. Um, and then there's not some definitive answers. Like the rules talks about the rule of two, but also talks about 20 hours. I was like, well, I thought the rule of two doesn't matter if there's 20 hours. And, and then, You know the rumor is like open gyms count, and you might be able to help me with that. If I'm not instructing as an open gym, does that count towards my hours? And my AD says yes, according to how he interprets the rule. So I'm like, well, then what if I'm if I do an open gym but I'm not there, and there's no coaches? He goes, well, you can't do that because there's.
0: (laughs) There needs to be somebody there.
1: (laughs) There has to be somebody there. Like, well, can it be a parent that's has a background check? Because then I'm not coaching, and then it counts. So I think. I think it won't affect the girls that, that play basketball all the time. Like the girls that, you know, they might have a trainer or they go play pick ball. I know one of our players plays open gyms at college vital and NNU with the college girls, um, it's not going to affect her, but the girls that don't have those resources are like, well, what am I supposed to do? I can't, we only, we're only allowed one open gym a week and, and I coach football. So a lot of our open gyms are in the, in the fall. I'm not going to be there. My coach is going to run it. And I tell her, you, you can't coach them. But now I tell her she can, Yeah. but, but keep a timer of how, how much you talked or make sure they're out of there in only an hour because I have to keep track. And it's for the whole year, not counting June and July or the end of May. So I just, I don't know the interpretation of the rule is, is complex to me. Um, so in terms of what they did right or wrong, I'm not, 100 percent sure either way, but I do know is I support whatever they're gonna decide because what am I gonna really do to change it? I gotta follow the rules. I got, I mean, if that's the rule, then at least give me all the answers to so I can do the rule the best of my ability. Um, because I want to follow the rules. I mean, I, I don't want to ever get in trouble. I don't want to be a guy that, you know, is considered, oh, that Middleton guy. I mean, they're good because they cheat or they're good because they they he doesn't follow the rules or you know, recruiting this, recruiting that, or not following the rules. I don't ever want to be associated with that. Um, I want to build a relationship with all these coaches because I'm just getting into the girls' coaches world where there's respect. They're like, oh, you know, Middleton may have beat us, but that's a good guy instead of, oh, that guy's a jerk. I don't want to be that guy um, ever. So whatever the rule is, I'm going to do it. Whether I agree with it or not, I just want it to be a little more definitive you know, and and Ty Jones has been great because I've I've been able to email him and ask him, okay, so it says this, but does that mean I can do this? And he goes, no, or yes, or he goes, well, oh, let me get back to you, and then he does, and he answers my emails pretty quickly, and so that's been good. So I don't really have any anything to say about what right or wrong. I just know that whatever they're gonna decide, I'm gonna do, and because my ad is very, you know, we have we got to play by the rules, whatever it is, you know, so.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the other big thing that's going to be happening, we're coming into the first uh, state playoffs that is going to be seated, I guess, uh, different than uh, the, you know, years out seeding that they've been using. So so what are your thoughts on that?
1: So in terms of the seeding, I know I, I, I kind of have a big opinion about this. Um, I know that it's worked for football, you know, but you and I, we talked about this earlier. We alluded to it not every conference is equal, you know? And, and like I said, we were 17 and two going into the state tournament and we won our districts. And then we're number one. We're the only, well, I think we are the only other number one that had to play a number one. I believe am I wrong? I might be wrong. Um,
0: cause yeah, I can't remember
1: cause you played mountain home to open. Right.
0: No, we played uh, Columbia.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. Say, so, yeah. and they were number two, and you were number one.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and then Skyline had to play Century, right? And they, we all know they played six times. Yeah. You know, and so they were one and two, and then who was the other Blackfoot and somebody else? That was a one versus two, or three. Go well, Columbia was a three. Yeah. No, they were a two. They were yeah. two. Um, that's right because the team out of our cameras didn't win their third place game. So then we played Burley, another number one, you know, and, and two years ago, Middleton had to play Century and arguably they were the top two teams in the state and they had to play each other in the semifinals. And a lot of time, and I wasn't here, but people said, well, that state championship game was the semifinal one. And then Century won the state championship game by like 40 points. So I think it's it's good. And I know it works in football. Um, I know nobody wants to play number one, especially if it was decided five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because then, I mean, even good coaches that have that are moral are like, "Do we lose this first round? Do we lose this championship game to be the two seed?" And I would never throw a game because I told our girl because uh, some people talked about it, like, "Coach, if we lose, if we get second, then we play this team in the first round." You know, because they're like, "Oh, we, we win, we play Amari."
0: Yeah,
1: and I was like, "Who cares? I want Amari. Let's go!" Like, yeah. I, we're not we're not going to not win district championships, and we're definitely not going to throw games. So that or or start our bottom five, you know, in, in a district championship game so that we maybe have a five percent chance of winning the first round game because there are eight really good teams. And like yeah. I told you earlier, one of the top teams wasn't even there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You no. Know? Well, and I would contend that Lakeland would have done pretty well with uh, with uh, the group that they had.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of our best teams. A BK was one of the top two. The only team that beat us in conference, they lost in the semifinals of districts. And then Nampa, Nampa ends up getting they lose Nampa yeah, beats BK they and good. ends up being yeah. they they were loaded too with their top three players. Um, they didn't match up well against us, but they're very good too. Like so, those two teams could have done very well in the first and second round of the state tournament. So, I think it's positive. I just don't know how they're going to be able to do it because <laughs> do they take into account strength of schedule? Because if that's the case, our coach is going to be like, well, we're going to schedule three uh, mid-level 3A teams in our, in our conference so that we can get a 17 and one record or 19 and one or 19 2 record and get to play a, a seven or an eight seed at the state tournament. Or is there a state ch- or a conference champion? That's going to be an eight seed? You know, that's weird because you didn't do anything wrong. You played right you did well but you're still the you're still the eight you know and and then you get paired up against a top team in the state it's just it'll be interesting i'm all for it i am don't get me wrong i am all for it seen it let's play um but i just don't know if the um algorithm is yeah is necessarily the best
0: yeah and i think uh on that end you know i think we have to give it a year or two and see what you know shakes out and then we'll have some data then to kind of identify okay this uh algorithm is working or it's not uh maybe we need to get a committee together to you know help in that seating and stuff like that but uh, you know i think it will make for uh a more competitive uh state tournament and uh you know i think um they'll also you know more than likely eliminate a little bit of controversy that comes into every state tournament that, you know, Hey uh, you know, why is this team playing this team in the first round, you know, or the, or the second time. round? Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Why is this team
1: playing another number one when they were the quote unquote number one seed from the coaches poll media polls, they're playing another number one,
0: Yeah.
1: you know, which the coaches polls and media polls are, are great and they're fun. And the girls like to see that stuff. But, I kept telling them, I was like, girls, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything because right now I'm watching teams on film and I'm going, are we better? I don't, I don't know. There's teams not in that ranking that are really good. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, that you watch in film. So yeah, I agree. The algorithm, I will, it'll be very interesting. I definitely agree with you that it'll take away some of the, the drama and the, and the bickering and the, why are we playing this team? And I mean, but the most important thing, and we all have to remember as coaches is we want to be there. Yeah. And if that means we're going to be there, I don't care. if It's round robin. I don't care if it's single elimination. We made it to the state tournament. Like we made it to the state tournament. Now we want to finish and do well and everybody wants a blue trophy, but winning a blue trophy doesn't necessarily mean you didn't have a successful season, you know, or even going to and barbecue at the state tournament doesn't mean you didn't have a successful season or that you impacted lives. So whatever they decide to do because God knows it could change five times before you and I retire. I just am happy to be there. And I know the girls are too. And that's the expectation is to be there.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, I can't remember the number, but it's like seven (laughs) of eight years we've gone to the state tournament and each year that we get to go, I just, it's just, you know, I'm just as excited and I'm just as happy um, and honored to be able to, to go there. Cause I know that it's, it's hard to get to. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's very hard. Sometimes the best teams don't
1: do well in the district tournament and don't get to go. You yeah. Know, so. All
0: right. Uh, last question for you. And this has become a favorite question of mine because I'm always spending time trying to become a better coach. So what aspect of coaching are you studying the most right now?
1: I think, um, you know, I watch a lot of the NBA final, the NBA playoffs, and, and and obviously it's it's a completely different game in 24 second shot clock and and everything like that. But I really like their their off ball actions off of on ball screens. So I really because I'm trying to think what would our girls be really good at, or how do I how do I get Peyton Hymas to get an on ball, but also you know a flare or a back pick for my top shooter in case she can't get all the way to the rim.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and and Chris Paul would do a little thing where he would you know, tap his elbow and he would make an, uh, a a pass uh, entry to the wing. They would give it right back to him. And as soon as he caught it, there was already an on ball being set, which was great. But the other two guys were setting a, uh, one of them would set because what the defender would be in the help side and the guy in the corner, the safety valve would set a pick on the help side defender. And then that wing would flare out kind of a back pedal flare. Um, and then it, Chris Paul couldn't get all the way to the rim. He had three options. He had the roll guy. He had the guy spotting up at the ball side elbow that set the back pick. And then the guy shooting to the would rubber band from the corner to the corner to the wing. So off ball screens during away from the ball during on ball screens uh, is really something that I really liked. I really liked but because it was specific to our group of girls Um, I got a girl that can roll. I got two or three shooters. Um, What can we do so that the other three girls aren't just sitting in the corner or on the wing? Is she throwing it to me? Is she not? Do I cut? Do I backdoor? Do I Laker cut? Do I, do I stand there? Um, It gives it. So it makes them feel like they're doing something instead of just like watching the pick and roll. Um, And that's something I really enjoy. I know it's the NBA and it's not the same, but I think if teams go man, and you're in help, if you're an off-ball help side defender, you don't think about am I about to get screened away a screen from my left? You know, I'm about to get a screen on my left when I'm supposed to be, I'm watching the ball and my defender or my offensive player, but I get screened. Like you don't think about that. So I really enjoyed that.
0: It, it, that's what I'm really
1: concentrating on.
0: Yeah, and I think uh you know when you have a great point guard, you know, um that can be deadly <laughs> especially in the high school game. Uh when they get that concept of knowing uh to score it or to dish it, you know, uh if they can get that down and if you can get people open, if you got that great shooter on the outside, um I mean I just you know there's a reason why the NBA uh, teams keep going to it and going to it and going to it because it's such a hard thing to uh, guard if you've got uh, kids that can finish.
1: Well, and they have advanced analytics and they still trying to stop guys from scoring 40, 50-point games. Uh, but sometimes, like we both said, you can <laughs> you can defend everything right and somebody's a special player. You know, it just, you know, but I, I really wanted something that to keep the, the, the off-ball offensive players engaged Knowing that I'm trying to get Peyton Hymas an on-ball screen, I because I, I, she's really good. She'll if she does if she attacks, then she finishes. She shoots free throws well. She has a very good euro move, um, but she also is a very good mid-range shooter. She has a new little floater. Um, so I want her shooting five or six times a quarter, but she also makes the read. If it's not there, I know that that shooter's on the wing, and then my shooters also know that they're making the read too. Okay, this girl. Oh yeah, she sent me a back pick. I'm going to float to the corner, or I'm going to stay on the wing. You know, and and we always have a rule like you, you're two in the three. Should if someone's driving, somebody should be in the corner. Both corners should be occupied. A safety valve, um, just because uh, young athletes, basketball players tend to get stuck, and you got to have you got to have somebody. You know, a back a backup plan. <laughs> you know, you got to have someone to go to. So
0: yeah.
1: Um, but for sure, for sure, that's a that's something that I really like it studying and, and anything really. I mean, and obviously we talked about, I think I'm really studying the aspect of defense and, and, and taking away, you know, a girl that can score from all three levels, you know, (laughs) with an incredibly high IQ and a Ferrari type motor.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, Coach, I really appreciate that this hour has been fun to talk to you and get to know you a little bit better. Um, And I just want to wish you a a good rest of summer and good luck with your uh, football season and then uh, good luck with your basketball season. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're able to cross paths. Uh, I know that we're coming down to Boise to play in the tournament. Uh, We aren't going to make it to the Preston tournament, but uh, hopefully we can uh, meet up uh, uh, during the state tournament. Thank you, Coach. Good luck to you, too. Thanks for listening to the Idaho Basketball Coaching Podcast. If you're a basketball coach in Idaho, I'd love to talk to you. If you're interested in participating on a future episode of the podcast, please contact me at IdahoBasketballCoachingPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.